this morning we're at Titus chapter 3. We're going to finish the book of Titus this morning, and the title is Relationship Tactics. Titus chapter 3. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, the last pastoral epistle. And then uh, in between books, I'm going to go through some studies on, on prayer uh, that I've been working on, and then we're going to jump into another uh, book, probably a gospel uh, after that. So, but we're finishing Titus this morning, and what we're going to see a few things, Christians in society, difficult people, and Paul's conclusion. <laughs> so you ever meet any difficult people? No, no one has. <laughs> I mean, I assume that you have because with all the different personalities and opinions out there in the world, a clash of ideas is bound to happen. Like, I encountered a few people who were a bit difficult at a few of the jobs I had in the past when I was younger. I worked at Taco Bell in Northern California, Jamba Juice in Southern California in Venice, and American Eagle in a few different cities. And there were some people who were very nice. I mean, just let me just put that out first. They, they made my day just by conversing and being friendly, right? They were just kind and appreciative. That always made me happy, made for a good day. Um, but as a friend of mine recently said, there are enough jerks in the world. We don't need another one, <laughs> right? And so, but I, I have had some experiences, man. Like, like one woman at Taco Bell, uh, I guess she went through the drive-thru, we, we, she got her food, and uh, she, we forgot something. And so she came into the lobby Straight up yelling, just going off, right? And, uh, and so uh, she took her bag and she <laughs> threw it at us, like behind the counter. And uh, I was an assistant manager. I was 17 years old, but I had to keep it together because I was in charge, you know? And so, but I wanted to laugh so bad because I was so, like, like shocked. Have, has anything ever happened to you? You're just, like, shocked. Like, what is going on? This is surreal. Did that just happen, you know? Um, once when I was working at Jamba Juice in Venice Beach, something interesting happened. At the time where I actually wasn't on the clock, I was at home, but I came in later that day. But I found out when I wasn't there, Mike Tyson, you might have heard of him, <laughs> he came in to get a smoothie, right? I was like, oh, cool, you know, and they were telling me the story. I was like, that's neat, that's neat, you know? But apparently, he was being incredibly difficult because he was saying inappropriate things, okay, and harassing one of the female employees. So it wasn't a good thing. Uh, once an American Eagle, a guy, this was crazy, but a guy basically took a whole outfit, he went in the fitting room, uh, he put the clothes on underneath his clothes that he came in wearing, and he left the fitting room, and I, I was like, it was so obvious, like you could see the clothes sticking out of his, like, he, he tried to cover it up, I, I did not let him leave, I had to stop, and it was very difficult, I had to call the cops, the cops came and the problem solved. Um, <laughs> now I'm sure that you can tell your stories as well, uh, of people who have crossed your path who were not the easiest to deal with or even to get along with. But as we're living out our lives here on this earth, we as believers are not to be those difficult people, right? Because Jesus, you know, remember he told his followers on the Sermon on the Mount, he's like, be troublemakers, right? No, what did he say? Be what makers? Peacemakers, right? He said, be peacemakers. We're called to be peacemakers. Our influence will be little if we are difficult, unreasonable, and short-fused. I recently listened to a really good audiobook called Tactics, and it helps to engage, that's why I stole the title, Tactics, and it helps to engage in conversation with other non-believers to share your faith. And one thing the author said was, if the person you're talking to gets angry or mad, you've already lost them. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, once a person is mad, and you know, they don't care what you say, they just want to be right. They're just defensive the rest of the time. Another thing the author said was, if a person gets bothered, make sure it's because of your beliefs, not your behavior. 
It's fine if they get angry, but make sure it's because of your beliefs, your faith, not because of your behavior. And I just say all this because with Paul, he's, he, what he writes to Titus in chapter 3 here is about Christians in society and difficult people. And, and in light of what's going on in our country, no secret, many believers I know have lost the love of Christ and gospel-centered life. They're getting so often left field, they don't know where they're at. You know, they're in the woods. They're, they traded their relationship with the Lord for bitterness and anger and, and worldly focus. And I feel, I don't know, I feel sorry for them because they're out there and I know it. And I'm like, man, their family and their friends are completely shut off to Christianity and they want nothing to do with the church or the Lord because of the ruined witness of attitude. It's a sad story, but it's true. So, so last week, remember, Titus 2, we looked at three groups of people and how they were to function like relationally within the church. We looked at older believers, we looked at younger believers, and we looked at bond servants. And today we're going to take a look at a couple more groups, Christians in this culture, and difficult people within the church. And as we go through these verses, we'll expound upon this. So let's, let's pray again, and then we'll get into Titus chapter 3. 15 verses here. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for the privilege, the opportunity, the blessing it is to just open your word and go through it verse by verse and line by line. And so we pray, Lord, as we go through these 15 verses that you would uh, bring to the surface those truths, Lord, that you want us to hold on to, that take into our heart, Lord, uh, and live out in our life outside of this building, Lord. And so we thank you for your word this morning and this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first, Christians in society. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 1 to 8 says, remind them, Paul writes to Titus, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared not by works of righteousness, which, were done, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom we, he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So in the Roman Empire, you know, uh, Christians were seen as super weird, as dangerous. You know, they did not have a good reputation. Uh, Roman citizens kept their distance, and they didn't associate with those believers who had these like weird private meetings. It was called church, right? They had home churches. But it was so important for Christians to be examples as citizens, but also not compromise when it came to pagan religions and practices. The Christian life is, you guys know this, is a constant balance of these things. See, our heavenly, our heavenly citizenship does not subtract our responsibilities as members of society. Like, it's fine to not agree with certain leaders and governments, right? Totally. But the sin comes into play when believers begin to just constantly slander everything and everyone instead of praying for them. Now, trust me, I'm not saying compromise and just blindly follow the government <laughs> or leader, you know, guidelines that go against our faith. Definitely not. If it goes against our faith, we fight against it tactfully, graciously, and courageously. 
And so, but to just sit there and talk trash all day about everyone is what the Bible says to do, right? <laughs> slander everyone, slander the leaders, everyone. Talk bad about all those who you don't agree with. That's not a Bible verse. But just think about Paul's day. You think about crazy, like, leadership, you know, organizations or whatever. Think about Paul's day. There were some crazy, like, Christian-hating, killing leaders. They wanted them dead. And guess what Paul didn't do? I just look at this, and I'm convicted. I'm like, what he, what he didn't do? He didn't make it his mission to take down the evil leaders and write all his letters full of condemnation towards the officials. Paul had the same goal through all of the evil in society. Paul's you know, post-Christian goal never changed. His goal was three words, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Paul had the opportunity, too, many times to speak to high-ups like leaders. And you know what he spoke about when he got these opportunities? He spoke about Jesus. He gave the gospel. He spoke about the Lord. And so Paul gives Titus the heart and the attitude to have in society, which I don't think that we see much of anymore, at least in the social media world. But we're called to be, he says, gentle, <laughs> gentle. Um, now, if you go on social media ever, like gentleness, it's hard to find. It is hard to find, which is even more of a motivation to be gentle and stand out as a light for Christ. The word gentle in verse 2 means an attitude of moderation, sweet reasonable, reasonableness is what gentle means. And I hate that this is becoming rare in society, you know, and, and this is in relation to the authorities. So Paul's telling Titus and the church to not be all about earthly affairs, but when it comes to earthly affairs and current events, still be a light for Christ. No offense, but everyone in this church will be dead in 100 years. We're all going to be dead, right? Most of us. Your life is limited, right? It's short. So Paul writes in Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are what? Evil. The days are evil. And that was in the first century. Now we're in the 21st, and it it is not any better. It's much worse. You're, you're not going to reverse the evil in this world, right? Nor will the darkness completely be eradicated. There will never be, and I hate to break it, to, there will never be world peace, okay? Because the Bible says at the end of the times, you know, hearts will grow cold. And so the days are growing darker, and Jesus is coming back soon. We need to be about our Father's business like Jesus told his parents when he was a preteen, your attitude matters in the context of society. You know, once, once someone gets angry at you, you know, your witness ends. They don't care what you say. It doesn't matter. Then it's just a waste of time. And I'm not saying be a people pleaser either, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying compromise so people will like you. That's dumb, right? We live to please the Lord, period. But what I'm saying is seek the Lord for eternal opportunities while you're on this earth. And that's the thing. Like, this was convicting too, about 80% of Christians have like never talked to someone about the Lord. And that's a lot. 80%, that's most. It's not a good thing. It's time, it's time like, I just, I feel like an urgency on my heart. That's why I'm starting this men's discipleship thing, because I have an urgency on my heart. It's like, it's time to rise up. It's time to, you know, speak out the truth, man. It's time to be built up and equipped and go out and just change the world, turn the world upside down like the disciples did. It's time to rise up and have a heart and an attitude, but that includes gentleness, right? And I love how Paul linked duty with doctrine, right? He was saying to be loving to your pagan neighbors, 
Well, but they don't believe in the same things as, you know, as I do or Paul does. What are you talking about? Why, why, be, why be gentle? Why be nice? Well, the world doesn't believe in the same things as we do, right? Like, we know that. That's obvious. They're going the opposite way. So we shouldn't be surprised when someone's like, I don't believe any of that. What? Like, it shouldn't shock us. It should be like, yeah, you believe like the world. You believe the opposite of the truth of the Scripture. Don't be surprised if an unbeliever doesn't have the same belief as you, right? It's a good action to remember what and how you were before you were saved because it helps you get their mindset. Like, yeah, that's how I used to believe. Um, so have some grace, you know, on unbelievers in society and speak truth to them, yes, but in love. And, you know, you know what makes a huge difference in this world as far as as how people view Christians, it says in verse 4, here we see the kindness and the love of God. And verse 5, salvation came because of kindness, love, and the mercy of God. And so we cannot save ourselves. It's through, only through Christ we're saved. Salvation comes to a sinner when they trust in Christ, when the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to bring about new birth, like John chapter 3 says, when Jesus talked talking to Nicodemus at night. This is what life's about, you know, getting the message out. You're not going to do a, you know, go on a mission and, and, and write the whole world, right? But what you can do is share truth which leads to save souls. The kindness and love of God leads people to repentance. But, well, but they don't believe the same thing as me when it comes to the hot topic issues of today. But they don't believe the same as me, you know, uh, politically or whatever. Okay, but... Were they created by God? Do they have a soul? You know, does God want their soul saved? Yes, yes, and yes. And so reach out to them. Be a light. Act and speak with gentleness. And I, I, I'm not on social media much anymore, because, not because of the unbelievers spewing craziness. I'm not on social media a lot because of the Christians being slanderous and argumentative. And I hate to say that because that breaks my heart more than, you know, the unbelievers spewing lies. The unbelievers are unbelievers, so they have an excuse to say things and argue. Believers should, you know, theoretically have a different view and different attitudes, but these days it's hard to tell believers and unbelievers apart. And right now is a time to, like, stand out and shine for Christ through our attitude. Verse 6, the Holy Spirit is given to us at conversion. You can look at, find that in Acts and Romans. Uh, now, new believers have been washed, cleansed, and forgiven, and justification is an act of God where he declares a sinner righteous because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. So the amazing, you know, the amazing result of kindness, love, and mercy and grace is we are heirs with, with God. We are his. And see, the evidence of us being Christians is what? Our good works, it says, and our attitude of love. Our good works and attitude of love. People know you are a genuine Christian by the way you live, what you say, and how you act. And so, in a sense, we're under the microscope by the unbelieving world, you know, and even by other, you know, uh, judgmental Christians. Like, what are they doing? You know. And so, we're in a sense, we're under the microscope. But Paul is telling Titus that the most effective way to minister to those in your community is living a life fully surrendered to Christ doing his work, and by reaching out beyond yourself. You know, Christians in society, we matter in society. We're, we're a, a big part of society, and we want to be able to influence and have an effect on those around us, and we do that through gentleness. You know, um, I, I try to be gentle sometimes. My wife, I, I, I don't realize, my wife always says, you don't realize your own strength. 
You know, because I'll, I'll do something or I'll be like, oh, that's funny. And she's like, how? I'm like, I thought I barely, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I don't recognize my own strength. And she's like, be more gentle. I'm just kind of like rough, you know. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Um, I'm really rough with my girls. I throw them up, at least when they were when they, I could actually pick them up when they were uh, lighter. I throw them up and do all this stuff and throw them on the couch and spin them around and make them fly all around the house, you know. And uh, she's like, calm down, <laughs> you know, because one of them would always get hurt. I needed to be more gentle <laughs> physically. So here's the thing, but we're like spiritually just and conversationally, relationally, we got to have some gentleness. we got to get that gentleness back. You know, there was someone who wrote a book called Lowly and Gentle. I think it was uh, Ray Ortland or something. And there was a big pushback because people argued <laughs> about it because he wrote a book on gentleness. And it's like, that's kind of the point. It's like people aren't like dealing with others gently anymore. It's just like, let's, I'm going to yell louder than you. You know when you get in a fight with, I'm sure you never get in a fight with your spouse or whatever, but when you guys are like yelling maybe, hypothetically, uh, you're just, who can yell the loudest? That's who wins, ah, you know? But it's no, like let's bring it down. And as believers in society, have gentleness and love and mercy and grace because that's what God has given us. That's what changed our heart. It wasn't God being like, you better or else, no, it was his love, his attitude, his heart. And we get, to, we get to receive that and then relay it to others. And now difficult people. So verse 9 to 11 says, But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Someone once said, wherever there are people, there are problems. <laughs> like, wow, that's kind of mean. But in the context of Titus, this was, this was definitely true. Like, Paul warned young Titus to avoid people who like just to argue about non-essential things in the faith. You know, to avoid foolish um, arguments with other believers or disputes. And just want to, the people just want to prove their point. They could care less about what you have to say. And maybe you've experienced that. It's, it's, it's a, it can be a time waster, right? And this is not, not to say we don't discuss biblical topics or issues with people. You know, if people, you get a good conversation with someone, cool. Don't just walk away, like engage for sure. Um, but we don't want to miss, you know, important opportunities to talk about, you know, theology and doctrine, our faith to unbelievers and believers alike. It's fine. But it's just that there are some people who just want to argue and prove their point and they spend all their time trying to be right. They correct everyone any chance they get because they think their view is superior. In other words, that the root of that usually is pride. So Titus makes sure to avoid useless arguments. Or Paul's like, don't avoid those. They're useless arguments. They're not good. And there's another dynamic here. Avoid something else. Heretics. Heretics means one who makes a choice, a person who causes division. And so this kind of person goes from church to church and gathering to gathering, attempting to convince people to make a choice. These guys wanted the people to choose to believe what they said and their, their special revelation or heresy over what the pastor and their church is teaching from the Bible. And so they try to lure people away. And this is a work of the flesh, and we must be aware and watch out for this. Uh, biblically, such a pers person should be admonished twice and then rejected if they don't repent. See, there's a point when you're confronted, confronted the person and they're unrepentant, and so it's time to get them out because they are poisoning the hearers, kind of like leaven, you know? The, the person keeps sinning. They, they don't care. And over the years of ministry, you know, we've only had 
a couple of times where we had to like kick people out of the church. One time we had this one guy, man, he came and he seemed really nice. He dressed better than everyone else. You know, this is my church in LA and he had a suit and tie and everything. And it's like very nice, you know, hi, how you doing cordial and all that. And, uh, but then afterwards, like he went around and talked to the sound people and talked to other people and he was trying to convert people to, um, he was a Jehovah's Witness. And so he was trying, like, and then we started hearing, like, weird things, like, what did he say? And so right away, our people, you know, because they're in the Word, they're like, this guy's off, you know, something's going on. And it's not like we were trying to be mean, but we're like, well, we're trying to protect our people, so let's, let's confront them. And so we said, hey, you know, you're welcome to come to the service, you're welcome to listen, you're welcome to fellowship, but yeah, we don't believe that, <laughs> you know? And so I was like, okay, yeah, no problem, totally fine, right, cordial. And then he came back the next week. Same exact thing. After the service ended, he tried to go convert all of our Christians to Jehovah Witnesses, you know? And so this time, we, we, we had to kind of be a, a little more serious, you know, a little bit like, you can come, but no, 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 no. So, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and then the, the, the next week, he came. And it got to the point where we're like, all right, dude, okay, so after the service, he did the same thing, trying to pull people away and saying, this is not truth, I know the real truth, and, and all this stuff, and, and, uh, and so we had to strong arm him, we had to, I mean, uh, one of the guys, one of the security guys, like, grabbed his arm, we had to, like, walk him down the stair, and then he started yelling, and so then my pastor had me follow him. So for an hour, I was walking, like following like him all around the place. Like seriously, I, I don't know. I went a f- over a few blocks and everything. And I was like, okay, so you called the cops. We're waiting for the cops and everything. And, and I'm just following this guy, you know. And then the cops came. And then he stopped. And then he started yelling at the cops. I think there were other issues. But he was, he was just like, man, it was, we had to get him out of there because it wasn't good. You know, it wasn't good. There were red flags. And that's why we have to watch and pray. That's why we have to be careful when we hear things that are like, that doesn't sound like, that's why we want to be grounded in God's word so we know the lies, so we know counterfeit. We know counterfeit because we know the truth. And so that's why we have to be aware of what people, words matter, you know? Uh, and so, I don't know, it was, it was crazy. It was, I mean, that doesn't happen that often, praise the Lord. But um, there are certain things where it's like you have to deal with, you have to confront people at certain times. But we must keep our eyes out and our ears tuned in. And again, I love the Word of God because it really lays out how to deal with every situation. Like even as we're going through Exodus on midweek Bible study, um, which I encourage you guys to come if you don't come to midweek Bible study. We're going through the Old Testament. As we're going through Exodus, we see these civil laws that a plethora of them are still in place. Like today. And it's like, wow, God knew. God gave all the details to all of this stuff. It's so intricate and amazing. But I love that's the Word of God. That's what it does. It gives us all the tools. It equips us to do God's work, living in society, being a light for Him. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's about His Word. It's not, again, I say this a lot, but it's not about like my opinion. I might give my opinion on things here and there, but really that's nothing. We, we want the truth. Like, especially as a, a servant here in Mobile, I don't want to spout my opinion and try to guess how to deal with things. Oh, maybe we'll do this. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Like, you know, no, I just want to like, uh, I want to open the Word and say, well, what does God say about it? Okay, that's what God says, so we should go in this direction. Um, it's pretty epic that we just get to dig into the Word and that it leads us and guides us and gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So Christians in society, difficult people, and lastly, the conclusion, 12 to 15. uh, It says, when I send Artemis to you 
or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Send Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos, and all journey with haste, that they may lack nothing. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, there's that term again, good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. So Paul closes the letter and he reiterates the main theme, which is that the people needed to devote themselves to doing good. And what is doing good? Doing what is godly, doing what is biblical. We know nothing about Artemis. Tychicus we meet in Acts 20. He was with Paul, his first Roman imprisonment, and he carried Paul's letters to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, and to Philemon. And either Artemis or Tychicus would replace Titus in Crete, and Titus was to join Paul in Nicopolis. And this shows that we have our plans. We do. But we must remain flexible for God to alter those plans. And I know that you guys know that through your life as walking with the Lord. You have your plans, but God might be like, yeah, half of those are my plans, but the other half you've got to scrap because I'm going to rework some things. I'm going to lead you. You're kind of like, if you go that way, you're going to be drifting off the road of my, my will. You need to stay on here. So you know what I'm saying? So we have our plans, but God often alters those, and we have to be flexible to that. Because it's what he wants. It's his ways. That's what it's about. And it's possible that Zenos and Apollos carried this letter to Titus, but Paul sent them on a mission, and Titus was to aid them however he could. Paul ended this letter with a similar benediction that was classic Paul, right? Grace be with you all. Grace and good works go together. Grace is undeserved favor. And now when God gives us undeserved favor, our reaction should be an overwhelming blessedness which should result in us going all in for the Lord and living on mission to participate in kingdom furthering, kingdom collaboration. Grace is the starting point of the realization that we are so loved by God. Grace leads to good works because when someone blesses you, you want to bless them back, right? Like, like if someone gives you a very thoughtful gift and you are blessed and pleasantly overwhelmed, in turn, man, you want to just, you're affected. You want to bless that person somehow. You want to give them something, you know? God has favor upon us, and it's amazing. And so we get to live to bless him. And that's why from birth, I, I sang, we sang, bless the Lord, oh my soul, to the girls, to our daughters. Even when they were babies, you know, rocking it like in the hospital, we sang that. Because it's not talking about trying to get extra blessed or, or, you know, it's all about us. No, it's actually talking about our souls, uh, all, the, all who we are, blessing God, living to please Him and glorifying Him. We love Him because He first loved us. We live to bless God by living for Him fully, for He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Jesus lived, died, rose again, so our old lives could be deemed dead, and we have new lives in Christ. You can't get more blessed than that. You're already blessed. You can pray for blessings, but you're already in the midst of blessings. You know, you're already in the midst of answered prayer. You're already in the midst of God's favor. It's pretty amazing and mind-blowing and awesome. So things come and go, but the spiritual is here to stay. It's what we focus on. It's what matters. The unseen affects the seen in such a huge way. And so let's set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth, so that we can be effective on this earth the short time that we're here. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for this time to gather together. We pray that you continue to equip us, Lord, strengthen us, lead us, guide us, help us to have the right heart, the right attitude, gentleness, love, and truth. 
mercy, grace, all of those things that you've given us, Lord, may we reflect those to those around us, Lord. May we stand out in that way. That kindness leads to repentance, and we thank you for that. We pray that you would give us wisdom this week, that you would lead us, that you would help us to make the decisions that are favorable to you, your plan. It's about your way. It's about your will. And so we thank you for that truth and that reality. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a good week. If you need a prayer, uh, we'll be up here.